This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, for the podcast uh, once again. Joining us on the phone is uh, Sean Bolson as uh, he heads on to the uh, Twin Cities to uh, get ready to put in some work uh, today, Sean. And while the uh, Vikings pick up a nice win against the 49ers uh, Monday with uh, Greg on the podcast, uh, he asked me if I thought the Vikings had a chance. And I said, no, <laughs> very, very convincingly. It shows what I know. Uh, and uh, they, they had every chance. And, and uh, Kirko Chains was off the chain uh, for 378 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He looked great. Uh, but the offensive line, Sean, he wasn't sacked a single time by the 49ers. That, uh, the offensive line deserves real kudos for that win. Big, big kudos. You know, Reisner stepping in like he did. He was great. I mean, Derisaw's taking a step to be one of the elite left tackles in the league. Yeah. You know, we even we even had Bradbury getting to the second level and, you know, making some key blocks on, you know, a couple of our good runs. And they just really held up. And, you know, Kirk did something that, you know, I, I, I like what he does, but the thing that he did better this week is you saw him make little subtle slides in the pocket, the pocket collapsing around him, him continuing to stand in there and make really accurate throws. You know, he missed the the one throw that could have been a touchdown, uh, you know, in, at the end of the what, first quarter. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Overall, he was outstanding. He stood in there. Uh, you know, everything's kind of breaking down around him, and he makes a subtle slide, and he makes an accurate throw, and yeah, it, it was really fun to watch. You know, um, the first play of the game when they ran for 19 yards, you're like, okay, they're going to establish the run game. They averaged 75 yards a game, which was, you know, towards the bottom of the league. They actually ended with 75 yards rushing. <laughs> but yet there was just enough of the threat to kind of loosen it up, and, and he just made some great throws, and our receivers got a little bit of separation. He fit it in there. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to rush for 200 yards in order to have an effective ground game as long as the defense is threatened by the run game so they can't just sell out to rush the passer and and, uh, play man or or whatever against your receivers. And the Vikings had that. They did threaten the run game all day. They they stuck with the run even though aside from that 19-yard run on the first carry, they they weren't highly effective with the run, but just enough to keep the Niners honest. Just enough to keep him off, and then obviously Addison had a you know a, a great game. Hawkinson I think had eleven catches, yeah. uh, you know. And so, like I had talked way back when we drafted Irv Smith Jr., I wanted a tight end that could kind of be the safety blanket for Kirk. And you know, there were a couple of plays where Hawkinson got two or three yard gains, but they still weren't negative plays. In previous games, those are negative plays; they're turnovers. And, you know, speaking of turnovers, you know, Kirk tried to fit one in there tight, uh, you know, right at the beginning of the game. For us to turn it over, which we've all seen multiple times this year, and then get a turnover right back and march it down and score in the first quarter, I thought that was a huge statement. If we don't do that and San Fran goes in and just takes a 7-0 lead, at that point, you know, I think the game might turn out different. But I like the uh, reaction of our defense and, you know, getting it back. Kirk stuck to the game plan and marched us right down the field, and we scored. And, you know, that was really fun to see. Yeah, and to get that fumble from Christian McCaffrey on that ensuing possession, uh, he's not a guy who fumbles uh, the football very uh, very often. And then uh, to force one from him and get it back, 
And then, as you said, take it right down the field and score on that. So the Vikings take the lead 7 to nothing. They, they had a stat that said the Niners were one of only uh, two teams remaining that uh, had scored first in every game up until that point. So that was the first time, um, you know, that Brock Purdy had to play from behind uh, throughout the game. Now, I know they lost last week, too, but they scored first. Uh, in that game. So they put some pressure on the young QB and he looked at times like a young QB who's still kind of learning his way, which he is. Yeah, he is. And if you saw that stat, I believe the uh, Niners had trilled for like 22 minutes the entire season. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they trilled for pretty much the entire game. So, um, you know, the Vikings did what they needed to do and they were able to really uh, uh, just, you know, take their game plan and they were able to not have to waver from it because they were digging out of a 14-point hole. And they were able to do what they needed to do, and our defense really played well, obviously, buying them with a couple of huge picks. Um, our defensive line, you know, I think Daniil Hunter had one sack. We didn't have much more than that, but we were able to pressure Purdy and make him really uncomfortable so they weren't able to get everything done that they wanted to, and they've been able to in most games. So yeah. very impressive effort. And now we're on to, you know, five in a row that are all winnable. You know, we go to the pack, but we got Falcons, Saints. You know, the next game that you look at that, although in the NFL, every game is losable. We've yep. seen that. The yep. Vikings can lose any game, but we have a real chance to make a run here over the next while. And you and I talked, you know, they could easily be 2-5 and five after the Niners game after they dropped the opening game to the Bucks. And so to be at 3-4, and four, with some winnable games in front of us, I think everybody has to feel pretty positive about it. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Packers, that's a pick right now on the road. At the Falcons, that'll be a really small underdog, if not a favorite. And then it's the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders. They don't play a legit uh, uh, playoff contender until they face the Bengals December the 17th. So it is time to make hay for the Vikings against this next slew of opponents. Only two of those games, however, are at home. So that'll that'll change the equation maybe for the Vikings a little bit. It will, but you know what? I think with this group and, and coming together, I would much rather have, you know, be three and four and not have won the first four and dropped three in a row. You know, we're coming off. We've got a couple wins feeling a little bit better about our team. You know, I think the offense is going to continue to improve, and you see this is making Addison step up. This is making Hawkinson step up with J.J. out. And you just think if we can continue to improve like it is, and then once we get J.J. back, you know, probably the most electric offensive player or one of the most electric offensive players in the league, you know, it's just going to help us even more. So I definitely like the direction we're heading. Yeah, and uh, Jordan Addison looks like the real deal. Now, everybody knew that he was an excellent pass catcher uh, coming out of USC, but he's able to get open. Uh, They they aren't tracking him very well, and and with the accurate thrower that Cousins almost always is, uh, boy, Addison, six touchdowns already. He's on a phenomenal pace. They just don't seem to be able to cover him consistently. No, and our schemes are pretty good, too, because even the first touchdown, you know, they, I think he started in the slot on the left. He worked his way across the field. All of a sudden, they're, they're uh, you know, changing up the coverage, and he's got a linebacker underneath him and a safety that didn't get over because Kirk did a nice job holding the safety on the other side. And so yep. he floats it up top over the linebacker. So they're finding a way to basically get him in spots where he can win these matchups. Because, you know, anytime you, everybody has top corners, and they're going to, you know, do what they can. But as you can change your scheme and, and, and change your route trees and such, and you force the other team to basically get a linebacker underneath, and you're going to take a linebacker trying to guard him all day. So 
I think O'Connell's done a nice job with that, and Addison has really stepped up to the challenge. Yeah, so Jordan Addison, two drafts so far by Quasi Adolfa Clearly it looks like he scored on Addison, but I don't know who else he's really scored on uh, in his draft. Uh, this is the rest of the draft cast this year. McKee Blackman, we see him a little bit on special teams, but then Jay Ward, Jacqueline Roy, I guess we saw him show up at defensive tackle. Uh, he had a play this week. Jaron Hall, a uh, third-string QB, and, and Dwayne McBride. So not much other production out of this draft class, and we know that last year's draft class was almost entirely a bust. Uh, so they, they need him to start finding better players uh, in the draft, I think, coming up. Yeah, they do. I mean, we all, Lewis Seen was the big glaring one yep. from last year. And, you know, we, we need to. You need to draft well. You need to get your continue improvement from your existing players. But, you know, to throw two or three from each draft class and to contribute is huge. And we haven't had that, although Addison now is stepping up. But, you know, that's one guy. So he needs to continue to improve on his uh, evaluation of talents around the country. And uh, we just need to keep improving each week. Uh, we, we, we hit a, a low a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're improving since then. So I like to see that improvement. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, what a win for the Gophers. Now, it wasn't without its controversy. It wasn't a thing of beauty, but I don't really care. It's the first time they won in Iowa City since 1999. I'll take any win over the Hawkeyes in Iowa City that you can give me. I don't care if half their team had the flu so they couldn't play and the Gophers won by forfeit. A win in Iowa City is a big win. It is a big win. I'd like to give it a little more credit because we all like to see Floyd or Rosedale come home, you yep. know, these little the, the border trophies that we have. But Kaliak Manis just is continuing to prove each week that he is not our quarterback going forward. I know. He was awful in trying to, you know, hit open receivers. But, you know, we found a way. We knew off, uh, Iowa wasn't going to put up any points. Uh, we knew that our defense could, uh, uh, you know, stop them. We knew Iowa had a good defense. And, we found a way to get it done. It wasn't, like you said, without any controversy, and it wasn't very pretty, but they were able to get it done. And, you know, in years past, uh, a lot of times they haven't been able to get it done. And so, uh, yeah, it was good to see. Yeah, you know, it is kind of too bad about Kalak Manis. He's such a nice kid. I, I enjoy listening to his interviews. He'll actually say something rather than just kind of sports speak, which uh, is just to speak in cliche. Uh, you, you know, I, I like the kid, but... Gosh, you know, watching him play, we've seen him for a while now, what, uh, you know, 17 starts or so now, I think he had. No, maybe not quite that many, but he's around a full season worth of starts uh, now, if you include last year as well. And and so far, I don't see progress being made. He's got some awkward throwing mechanics, and that's going to continue to haunt him unless he can clean that up a little bit. Yeah, um, and you know what I liked when uh, Libby and I were out in uh, Nebraska last year and Morgan got hurt on the last play of the first half. Kelly McManus came out in the second half. He did a nice job on, on that read option where basically, you know, he holds it, he could give it, he can throw it, he can run it, and he was really good with his feet. He hasn't been very good this year with his feet. Yeah. Uh, we've had other parts, you know, Span Ford has been absolutely awful this year. And, you know, you'd like to see a, a kid from St. Cloud, you know, succeed, and he's got the size and. You know, he was touted coming in, and he's just had drop after drop this year. And so yep. they haven't had a lot um, lot of uh, positives to take away. And, again, they're not going to win a game 41-38, but uh, 12-10, you know, I guess they're our team. 
Yeah, that's right. Boy, they really shut down Iowa's offense. Now, they aren't known as an offensive team either. They've been kind of struggling there, similar to the Gophers, but uh, they hold them to 11 yards rushing. Uh, just completely shut down Iowa's ground game. So despite the fact that we kind of feel like the Vi- the Gophers didn't look very good offensively, the Iowa team is really bad offensively. They are really bad. And their starting quarterback, who I believe was a transfer from Michigan, you know, he tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Mm. Their top two tight ends were out last week. So we knew we had a chance. They did not have their weapons. And they flat out can't produce offensively. And so we produced just enough to get it done. And like you said, a win's a win. A border trophy's a border trophy. And we That's haven't right. had it for, what, 24 years? So yeah. it's nice to see it. Yeah, at least in Iowa City, it had been that long. But they had won in Minnesota prior to that. But yep. it, that was, what, 2012 or something. So it had right. been a long time since any win uh, against Iowa. So, yes, Floyd of Rosedale. So people that are going down now uh, to the stadium for a, a gopher game uh, coming up here in the future, like at Michigan State, I, I hope they have Floyd on display someplace f- uh, for fans who are going to the Michigan State game uh, You know, this weekend to, to see him on display. I bet they do. Yeah, they should. I mean, it's it's a, a once every decade right. piece that right. so you got to take advantage of it. And you speak of Michigan State, that's a team in turmoil that yes. struggled with a lot of different things. And so this also was a very winnable game for us. And and you know, instead of you know getting to the Sun Bowl, you know maybe you get to the Music City Bowl or you get something a little bit more impressive. I mean, it's not going to be a Citrus Bowl like it was way back when. And, yeah. And we get a big win over Auburn in a in a bowl game, but it's going to be another bowl game if we can put a couple wins together. And you know that's kind of where we say, hey, if we can get to a bowl game and and get a little bit of excitement, that's great. So and, I think they're on pace for that kind of a year. Yeah, and and that'll be good experience for Calic Manis too, if indeed he's the goal for quarterback going beyond uh, this season. So they got to have two more wins, as you referenced. They've got Michigan State. Uh, they could win that one. Then they've got Illinois, probably favored uh, in that one. That's a home game again. Then at Purdue, they'll be a short underdog, if not a, a short favorite there. So they got to get it done there because then it's Ohio State and Wisconsin. Now, those two teams are not having seasons that they're uh, normally familiar with. Uh, so maybe the Gophers pick off one there, and then all of a sudden you're looking at a seven-win season uh, against five losses, and you wind up at a decent bowl game, and then it's a solid year for the Gophers with so much transition in their roster this year compared to last. Yeah, and you know, we always said getting to the bowl game, the part of that that's so big is you get that extra basically month of practice, Yep, and and you get to see the, uh, you, you know, you kind of turn the page a little bit. Uh, you, you're, you know, listening to your existing team and, and watching them grow, but you're also giving the young guys uh, an experience to uh, learn and grow also. So getting to a bowl game is big because you do get that extra, you know, 30 days of practice, and uh, you know, it's not going to be the Rose Bowl, but it's going to be a bowl that people can get excited about. Minnesota fans have traveled well in the past, so, you know, hopefully that's the route we go. And, you know, to get two of the next three for sure, I think we need to do. Yeah. Seven goals for the Wild last night. They've given up yeah. seven twice this year. Uh, there's a lot of goals being scored in the NHL here over the last few years. There are. Hartman with a uh, hat trick last night. Erickson Eck was really good again. Uh, you know, Campbell... Edmonton's goalie played outstanding. There were some chances in the second period that definitely he just made outstanding saves on. But Kaprizov had real jump in his game last night. It was really fun to watch. And, and you know, we're doing this without Boldy, and, and we're having some other contributors. So uh, positive. you got to get the wins when you can. Edmonton is uh, a team that had, you know, what, nine of the 
nine top ten picks in like ten years. They've been <laughs> able to try to build their team through the draft, and and they do have you know the greatest player on the planet that did not play last night, but they have a lot of surrounding talent there, and so to to watch uh, the Wild be able to get a seven four win against them was exciting. Yeah, Connor McDavid, Sean is referencing there for those yep. of you who maybe uh, don't follow it quite as closely. I, I, should I have concern about the goaltending? Uh, this year, I know that uh, Everson uh, has been putting much of the blame on the defenders in front of uh, their goaltending. But like for Gustafson, he has a save percentage of under 90, which is not very good in the NHL. No, it isn't. And he's going to have to carry a load because, you know, Fleury, uh, a week and a half ago, Fleury played probably his last game at Montreal. And, you know, he got the start of the game and it mm-hmm. was a big emotional deal. That's where he's from. Probably the last game he plays there. Then they came back with him the next game, and he was terrible. Yeah. Uh, Fleury, you know, his age is going to catch up with him. Gustafson's going to have to take the load. And, uh, you know, you do hope you can get a little better D from the, the guys in front of you, but he's going to have to make those saves, and, and you can't have a save percentage under 90 to, uh, uh, you know, to, to really put your team to win, a good chance to win each game. So yeah. goaltending is going to have to get better, but there are other things that can sure it up. And, you know, in previous years, we haven't been able to score enough to, uh, you know, overcome that this yeah. year. You know, we have on times, and but yes, we're giving up goals. I think the NHL as a whole is seeing more goals, so uh, we need to continue to produce offensively, and we do need to tighten it up on the back end. Yeah, that's what the NHL wanted, though, right? I mean, they wanted more yeah. goals being scored. Entertaining. It's very entertaining. And last night I watched for a while on ESPN two. They had this uh, puck frenzy. Uh, they had you know all the games. I think it was uh, sixteen games, thirty two teams. Everybody going at it, and it was just really fun and, and entertaining. You know, there's some excitement with the new superstars in the league and the existing ones, and there's just a lot of excitement around hockey right now. Yeah. I just saw that this year's Hockey Day in Minnesota is going to be hosted at Valley Fair, so uh, it's going to be a, a lot going on, of course, so that it's a great day uh, in Minnesota when they have Hockey Day each year. Uh, Timberwolves open their season tonight. Uh, I'm expecting big things. I think the Timberwolves have a talented and, and deep roster. The West is very tough. Uh, but I like the Wolves' chances to maybe even ho- have home court advantage in a playoff series this year. Yeah, we've talked about the puzzles of this team for quite a while. We just hope they all can click, and, and I'm excited to watch them. And I'm also excited to watch uh, Wembayana for the right. uh, first. Kind of one of the, uh, you know, since a LeBron or uh, Kobe or Michael, probably one of the biggest prospects to uh, come out. And so you got 7-4 athletic that does a whole bunch of things. And so... Yeah, I think the NBA is in a pretty good spot. At times, I get uh, in the doldrums with the NBA, and not an overly entertaining product. It's a long to me season. At times, yep. It is a long season, but I think we have some exciting things to look forward to this year. I think so, too. Sean, uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you the next week. All right. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.